0: Welcome to another episode of Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Sig Daddy, and it is the week in review for the week of 12-19-2019. This year has flown by, and it is almost over before I get to the weekend review. I would just like to remind you, I will have the year in review. That will be up on Monday, December 30th i'll give you the good the bad the ugly and some of my favorite moments from this year should be a very fun episode look forward to giving you that but yeah make sure to listen to that when i put it up on december 30th on spotify apple podcast and on podbean but without further ado let's get this thing rolling Monday Night Raw. We start out with a promo by Seth Rollins. And I think this heel character is just much better suited for him. And he pretty much says him and the AOP have a score to settle and it will be settled. And you won't like it. And he says sorry. And we find out later in the night who it is. I wasn't sure who it was. And then we figured out later in the night. And it was actually an interesting development. But first, we get the OC versus the Viking Raiders in a non-title match. I thought it was a good match, but the OC and the OC got the win, which actually gives them a reason to actually gives them somebody to face for the tag titles. But I thought this was much better than their TLC match and in my opinion it was a lot better. And well, the TLC match was absolutely I thought pointless. They brought out the no they had the no finish and they used the spot for the KFC whatever fans I just thought that this could have been accomplished on raw the well the, the match between these two and we actually could have got a solid finish like right right on raw and the whole reason to have that match at TLC was to have this match on Raw which I thought that was kind of dumb so but moving on Rowan backstage talking about the cage it's like family and pretty much tells the person interviewing him, mind your business, and he won't say what's in the cage. It's still going to be pretty underwhelming. (laughs) This is a no-win situation. And then we have Styles with his OC comrades celebrating their victory and says he's going to end Orton's career later on tonight. Then we get Rowan versus a jobber, and this was dumb, dumb, dumb once again. He beat Roman Reigns a few months ago, and now he is doing this. Now he's saddled with this dumb thing in a cage storyline where no one really cares about it, and it's not like he's been beating anybody. It's just he's been beating local jobbers, and he's been doing this for at least four, three or four weeks well, four or five weeks now, and it's yet to do anything. Then we get a backstage, yeah, go backstage with Charlie. And Andrade and Zelina are cutting a promo on Humberto, talking about the two losses and the upcoming number one contender U.S. championship match. Then we get a Liv Morgan vignette, which I've been reading is kind of a playoff, the Emelina thing. So hopefully it doesn't end up like that, and it would be a complete waste of time. (laughs) Then we get Lashley and Lana. And they keep having... Mike Rome announced Lana as the Ravishing Russian. She is no longer Russian. She speaks English. She is not speaking in a Russian accent. So let's stop calling her the Ravishing Russian when she is not speaking in a Russian accent. The little things. The little things. And say, pretty much says she wants to, uh, This like, what I described this was as gag, gag, gag. Every time Lana speaks, I want to change the channel, unfortunately. But I guess she's doing her job as being an annoying heel. So that's I think that's what WWE is going for. And she says she wants to move on. And I'm like, yeah, we all do from this storyline. <laughs> I definitely do. And then Lana asked Bobby to propose to her with the ring she got out. So he ends up doing it, proposes, said it was just like they rehearsed. So Lana pretty much forced Bobby to propose to her as she was planning this all out for Bobby to do this. So she's pretty much in control, and Bobby's getting manipulated, and he is... I can't find the word for it right now, but he is... I can't think of it right now, but you you know you know what I mean. I'm trying to find the word for it. But yeah, please, 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 please end this now. End this now. I don't care about YouTube numbers. Just please end this for me. And then we get a gauntlet match with the winner getting a U.S. title match. We got Tazawa and Matt Hardy, Andrade on our Truth, Humberto Carrillo. And Ricochet. So Zawa and True start. Tozawa, he wins with a roll-up. Ricochet wins then his the second time with a ribcord recoil on Tazawa to move on. And then we get Matt Hardy out next. And I just thought this was interesting. How convenient that is. Humberto and Andrade that are going to be the last two to enter. But uh, Ricochet beats Matt after a really fun... Uh, Little mini-match between Matt Hardy and Ricochet. Matt still, he's plenty over with the fans. WWE, give him something to do that's worthwhile. He's still pretty over with the fans. And then we get Ricochet and Humberto next. Zelina stands out on the ramp. Humberto, he he wins with the Moonsault on Ricochet. Another fun little mini-match. And then we got Andrade jumping Humberto pre-match. He ends up hitting his DDT on the concrete. So the match just ends like that. And no finish. And this thing went on for 45-plus minutes. So this segment was pretty much completely wasted. We literally waited a whole hour to get to a no-finish, fish finish, and Humberto gets carried out. Following that, Seth Rollins with AOP, well, Seth Rollins and AOP come out with Ray's pipe. Ray was coming out to check on his friend, Humberto Carrillo, and Seth Rollins and AOP come out with Ray's pipe that he gave to KO just a week or two ago. AOP then beats down Ray. Then Seth says he's a merciful leader. Doesn't hit him with the pipe, but then he does hit him with the stomp. This is and then Seth Rollins backstage said the reason he didn't put Mysterio in a hospital was for a U.S. Championship challenge next week. So and then he says AOP and them need to start establishing their dominance. So literally, we wasted a whole entire segment. 45 minutes of the show just to get to Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio next week. What the heck? Why waste that segment? Why? Why do not Why? Why even give those guys the opportunity to have that match when we could have just done that angle with Rey beforehand? I don't know. That was. That was that just was weird that we completely wasted 45 minutes of the show then we get a video promo by Orton before the match and then Diana Parazo versus Asuka Diana on was on is on the NXT roster I thought this was a nice showing by Parazo she looked good in this match in her debut Asuka gets the win and then we get a Becky interview after that talks about her loss last night And it feels like she lost a little bit last month as she's not been on TV. And it seems like the WWE is trying to protect her from losing to Asuka. She wants Asuka at the Rumble to prove something to herself. And I thought this was a nice promo. I thought it it, it continues the storytelling that began last year at TLC and in the Royal Rumble uh, pay-per-view last year where Asuka beat Becky Lynch to retain the SmackDown Women's Championship. I thought this was good long-term storytelling by WWE. That was the best thing I think on the show so far. And then, Rey Mysterio cuts a promo. He says he'll fight Andrade at any time, but he accepts Seth Rollins' challenge for next week. Then we got Orton and Styles in the main event. I thought it was fun. I like the finish where Orton fakes the RKO as Styles is going for the Styles Clash not Styles Clash, but the uh, phenomenal forearm, and then gets caught and then goes for it again and gets caught with the RKO for the 1, 2, 3. OC at yeah, post-match comes out and jumps Orton, and then the Raiders come out, only to get taken out also. I didn't think this show was very good. Like, we, like I said... We completely wasted an hour of the show with the gauntlet match that just led us to Seth Rollins getting a U.S. title match next week. And then we got another Rowan Jobber match. Did not like that. The best, One of the best things on the show was the OC versus Viking Raiders match. And the Becky Lynch promo. And that's pretty much it. That was, that was the only two things that I could really note that were good on the show. The, or, the cup, the Oscar. And then we got the Orton match versus Styles. It was alright to end the show. It wasn't like it was anything special. I just The show, for the most part, was just not very good. I did like the OC stuff. The OC Viking Raiders. It gives the Viking Raiders a tag team to face for the tag team championships. But yeah, the Rowan versus Jobber. the The complete waste of a segment that was the gauntlet match. That really took a lot away from me on this show. Moving on to NWA Power. This is the follow-up follow-up to the Into the Fire pay-per-view. Then we got a video recapping the end of end, uh, Into the Fire, where the villain of all people, Marty Skrull, makes his debut in NWA, confronting Nick Aldis. We get the opening of the show. Marquez interviewing the new national champ, Aaron Stevens. And he says that he's been training for three weeks and is a third-degree black belt in Mongrovian karate. And also, he's now a third-degree national champ. And he, he tells Marquez later on that he wants to be addressed now as Shooter Stevens. And also, he says he has his sights on the NWA Tag Championships and has his sights on the TV title. Cabana comes out and then he addresses that he was hiding behind it. Christmas tree for most of the match at into the Fire. And and this was honestly just... This was a fun segment. And Stevens is just a very good annoying heel. And I love it how he addresses... And everybody really addresses the crowd at the the uh, tapings of these shows. And Cabana says, without question mark, he would never be champion. And then we got Thunder Rosa out there. And Molina shows up. Ashley Vox comes out to jump Rosa. Rosa gets the advantage. And then they're about to do a double-team move on Vox, but Allison K and ODB make the save. Then we get a video recap of what happened Into the Fire between Ken Anderson and Eli Drake. We get no DQ match tonight. And then we get Melina backstage complaining about how Marty Bell wasn't there to help them when they got in that situation. Then Marquez announces... Uh, now Well... They announce a tournament for the TV title, which the time limit for each match is six minutes and five seconds, which is the start time for NWA Power. First match, the the qual a qualifier match for the tournament is was uh next. It was Zicky Dice, Sal Romario, and C W Anderson. I remember C W Anderson. He I saw him in T N A at one time. He was. Uh, the he was an ECW alum he was on that show Hardcore Justice I thought this wasn't a bad match very quick there was a little communication issue at the end but Dice hits his neck breaker to win and gets into the TV title tournament I thought it was an alright match set up Dice as a kind of a heel character in NWA and he got to cut a little bit of a promo after the match Kind of barely, barely got to do his promo but he got interrupted by the Dawsons and they said Storm was right, James Storm, was right about the conspiracy. They did all the dirty work for the wild card, wild cards, and yet they were promised title matches and money and got neither of them. And the wild cards interrupt before they could expose them, expose the truth. I like this segment. It's the conspiracy theory that uh, wild cards and all this are... Well, possible to we'll find out that wild cards and all this are working together later on in this show, but there is a conspiracy going on. And then we get Marty Skrull, uh, his interview from NWA Into the Fire says he does whatever he wants. He Mar- Then he addresses how he gave all this the fight of his life at the Crockett Cup earlier this year, believes he can beat, beat him. and it says it's a damn shame that after everything he's done, that he hasn't become world champion. Says he's only concentrated on becoming world champs champion. And says give him a shot at the title. And I think this is a cool cool thing. Because they faced each other at the Crockett Cup earlier this year. Which was a NWA, Ring of Honor crossover. And this is brings a bigger match really to NWA. And it's nice to see Marty Skrull here. He didn't do the predictable thing like going to AEW or possibly NXT or wherever he thinks he's gonna go next. I'd like that it was kind of a shock and he did what he kind of wanted to do. And this, I feel like this is short term for Marty, but this should be a fun thing in the, uh, fun time in, in the short term of seeing him in NWA. Then we get Eddie Kingston joining the commentary team as the Rock and Roll Express take on Zach Mosley and Sean Sims. It was a fast match, high-paced Rock and Roll Express. They were known for that stuff back in the day. They do a high-paced kind of uh, tag match. It was kind of a squash. They win with a quick roll-up, both of them, to, and they kind of establish their dominance as tag champs. I thought it was all right. did what it was supposed to be. It establishes the Rock and Roll Express as a... Team to be reckoned with here in NWA as they are the nine-time tag champs. But yes, the I, this, these interview segments, I thought they were pretty effective for each guy here so far tonight. In the match, the earlier match, the triple threat match, I thought it wasn't bad. Then we got Joe Galley with Rock and Roll Express post-match. They talked to them about Aldous and saying he has a long road ahead of him to put himself up there with the likes of Harley Race and Ric Flair. And then Dawson's come back out again to try and expose the truth, and then they brawl with Wildcard. After the break, we get Wildcards versus Dawson, the Dawson's, and the Wildcards win after a double team off of a distraction. It wasn't bad. It wasn't that great, but it keeps from the conspiracy getting exposed, which we do find out what it is later in the night. And then we got Larimer saying the Dawson's are liars, and then Isaac says Santa's a liar, and then Josephus Who's been supposedly suspended? uh, Clause shows up giving gifts, and then we get the post-match interview from Into the Fire addressing the controversy from the pay-per-view. That was James Storms saying that, and he says he'll be he'll work from the bottom to get where he wants to be afterward. And it continues. This whole episode is surrounded by the conspiracy. That's supposedly going on, and then we find out later in the night, like I say, and then we get the TV tournament field, TV title tournament field is announced. Ricky Starks, Caleb Conley, Colt Cabana, Trevor Murdoch, Tom Lattimore, the question mark, Eddie Kingston, Tim Storm, both Dawson's, Zicky Dice, and Nick Aldis, Nikita Koloff. A legend comes out to draw a couple, a first couple round matchups that will happen next week. We get Ricky Starks versus Eddie Kingston and Colt Cabana versus the question mark. So Colt Cabana gets a chance to get his hands on the question mark, and then this, the new champion, will be crowned at the pay per view next NWA pay per view, Hard Times. All this then comes out to make a statement. Saying in order for, to challenge for the NWA World Championship, you're going to have to show the level of commitment that he has shown right now. And the reason he's entered the tournament, he says he has no challengers left. And Aldis in this is starting to come off as a arrogant, coming off as a bit arrogant. He wants to be the first man to hold a TV and world championship. All this is coming, like I said, he's coming off as a bit of an a-hole here. And he really has no comment on Skrull trying to insert himself in his business to work himself into a title match. Then Marquez then pro- presses all this with a Camille question and says Camille is no longer his insurance policy. And then Stu Bennett he interviews Marty Skrull, pretty much covering what they covered in the pay per view into the fire. Still an all right interview though. But he says in this he said there's one little note that he says he says. Well, he says Marty wanted to come to NWA to keep everyone guessing, and says his match with all this sparked his passion. It gave him actually gave him back his passion in wrestling, but it like sparked it even more. And then what happens next? He wants to become the real world's champion. After that, we get the main event of the show: Anderson versus Eli Drake. No DQ. Tim Storm joins the commentary team at the beginning of the match. Marty Skrull says he should get a shot at all this, and then I liked throughout this. Drake cut a pre-match promo that uh, he addresses all words from earlier, and Ken Anderson, and he cuts a good promo, even though selling his throat injury as Anderson wedged his head between a chair and threw him into the ring post at Into the Fire just last weekend. And then after the match, I thought this was a fun match. I, I was, Yeah, I, it was a fun match between the two. And Eli Drake gets his revenge. this comes out and then tells Storm to keep his name out of the mouth. And then tells him we're finished. Storm then asks him if he wants to do it in the ring again. Storm enters the ring with this. They get in a shoving match. And then wild card attacks. Camille comes in to... to Try to possibly make the save, but she doesn't. She plays, she swerves him and gets an Aldis, she gets in Aldous's face beforehand. And then Spears, Storm, Latimer, and then Camille both make out. And they stand tall. The four stand tall to close the show. And now we got a dominant faction here in NWA. We got the wild cards with Camille and Nick Aldis. And that supposedly was conspiracy that they were all working together. And now somebody's got to find a way to combat this power group between all this Lattimore, Isaacs, and Camille. And I thought this was a pretty good episode of NWA Power as it told a story throughout the show. And it was, we were leading into the conspiracy. And we had, it was like, there was like a bunch of people involved. But it made sense the way they continued this conspiracy storyline and... We found out who was all involved, and we got the answer by the end of the night. It's told the story throughout the night. The Dawsons were trying to reveal it, but then they revealed it themselves. The wildcards and Nick Aldis and Camille. But yes, yeah, solid wrestling on this show. Like I said, the Eli Drake was Drake match with Ken Anderson was a fun match to end the show. And the the promos were effective here as usual. It's just, it was a solid show once again. Nothing bad on it at all. Then we get AEW Dynamite from last night. It started out with Kenny Omega and Adam Page versus the Lucha Brothers. And I honestly thought that Penta spent a little too much time pandering to the crowd. Both of them did actually, Page and Penta. And we had a little tar- dark order technical difficulty where Evil Uno showed up on screen for a split second, and I watched the brief time we got uh, with Kenny Omega and Ray Phoenix. I thought it was a heck of a fun match, the little mini match for them. I'd love to see them actually get a match here in AEW. It makes me really excited because they could put on a banger of a match. I'll say that. There was a cool spot also where it was a drop salt off of Penta. On to Phoenix by Adam Page. And then Omega, the ending of the match came like this. Omega had a hold of Penta for Adam Page to hit the buckshot. Penta ducks. Omega gets hit with the clothesline. Then Omega gets package pile-drived with, oh, it gets that stomp package pile-driver combination. He takes that and then the Lucha Brothers get the win. This further This furthers the issues between those two and Adam Page and Kenny Omega and they got to argue and bicker before uh Pack comes on screen, Pack talks like he had, well Pack challenged him last week and Kenny hasn't answered his challenge and then he's going to and then Pack goes on to his, uh see Kenny Omega's friend Michael Nakazawa in the locker room and go beat him up and then, then Omega goes backstage to look for him. He gets hit by the Lucha Brothers again, gets attacked by him. And then continues to look for his friend Michael Nakazawa backstage as Pack is probably destroying him at that point. I thought this was an alright match once it got going. The following match was better though. We had The Butcher and the Blade versus Cody and Darby Allen. Darby Allen extended his hand out to him last week after his match with The Butcher and the Blade. This match wasn't always clean, but it had a couple hiccups at the end with the dive and the disaster kick by Cody, but it was still it was still a lot of fun. I enjoyed this match better than the opening match between Adam Page and Adam Page Kenny and the Lucha Brothers, I thought this was fun. The Butcher and the Plate are looking pretty good so far. They had a pretty underwhelming debut, but they debuted when they showed up and attacked Cody initially. But this has been they've been doing a pretty good job here so far, and I've enjoyed their work so far in AEW. But Cody wins with the cutter, the kind of springboard, uh, off-the-ropes cutter. And then they say after the match that Darby will get a rematch with Cody down the line. And it could be argued, I thought, that it was too early for the Butcher and the Blade to lose in their AEW tenure. I thought it might have been a little too early, but they didn't look bad in defeat, though. Then we get a nice little video package for Jungle Boy training for his match with Jericho. And then we get Awesome Kong with Brandy and Melanie Cruz, and then they are then Kong destroys a jobber. It was exactly what it needed to be. It was effective. Awesome Kong just looks like a beast out there had a spinning backfist and her implant buster to get the win. And then he scalp the jobber post-match. And then we get a Jungle Boy interview with JR saying he respects Jericho the legend but does not fear Jericho the man. And he says that this moment would be everything his dad wanted him wanted for him. And we get the match. 10 minute time limit. Jericho versus Guevara. Not versus Guevara. Versus Jungle Boy. Hager and Guevara are both ringside with Jericho. And then Luchasaurus and Stunt are there. And Jericho, like he said a couple weeks ago, he doesn't think Jungle Boy could last 10 minutes with him. And then Jericho cuts a promo during the commercial break. Then Jungle Boy. In this match, he shows great fire throughout. And he spends over a minute or so in the walls of Jericho, in the well, a Lion Tamer, they like to call it now. But this goes to a 10-minute draw. I thought this was effective in getting uh, Jungle Boy over. It gives him... He's, he's standing in the ring with one of the greatest of all time and Chris Jericho, and he hung in there with him for 10 minutes. So this gets him more over... Than he was before the match, and it was kind of a little bit of a star-making performance there for the 22-year-old and Jungle Boy. Jericho comes out. Jericho right after the match says he wants five more minutes, and then Jungle Boy gets a couple of roll-up opportunities on him. He has a Hurricane Rana, and I like that It was a callback to what they did a couple weeks ago. Well, oh, last week, and then Jericho leaves the ring. And we find out later the last one or two minutes were not official, as Jericho made the decision to have the match keep going. And then I thought this was, like I said, it was a great performance by Jack Perry and Jungle Boy. In Jungle Boy, uh, in the Jericho, honestly, he's signing, showing signs of. Vuln- I think I like this story they're telling. Jericho, he's showing signs of vulnerability. Just recently, with the up and comers, they are catching up with them. And showing, yeah, like I said, he, the next generation is coming for him. But I thought this was a good segment, good match, really good match, star-making match for Jungle Boy. And then we get an interview with Tony Schiavone and Jericho post-match. Jericho and Schiavone argue about what Jericho actually said. He's, Jericho says he thought he actually he said, "Oh, Jungle Boy can't beat me." And then Schiavone says, "You, you said yeah, you said he couldn't last 10 minutes with you." They argue and such. Then Jericho takes the mic, and talks about Moxley and his upcoming decision to possibly join Inner Circle. Says they have a surprise for the new year if he decides to join, and tells him Merry Christmas. SCU then talks talks about their upcoming match with the Bucks. They get interrupted by the Lucha Brothers. Pinta says he does says he does says up. Uh, Christopher Daniels doesn't have it anymore. Then Kaz tells him to show him. Then Daniels just walks away. As Daniels had a botch with the uh, his moon, kind of a I think it was a moonsault against Penta here a week or two ago. We get Chris Statlander next versus Brett Baker in a number one contenders match. And I thought this was an awesome finish where Statlander just uses her power. Uh, to power her way out of the lockjaw into her tombstone-like maneuver for the win. Statlander post-match interview with Shivani. She's kind of using this alien character where she touches her nose and touches the other one's nose. Then Brandy comes down, interrupts him, inter- interviews Statlander, congratulates her, and asks her if she's with the Nightmare Collective or not. Touches her nose, but then waves her finger no at Brandy. Then Kong and Cruz come down. Brandy hits her with her heat. Uh, High heel in the eye, and this continues. This is gonna. This is the issues, and with Statlander and Brandy, and the Nightmare Collective are just beginning. But I like that Chris Statlander is the now the new number one contender for the AEW Women's World Championship, and it gives somebody Rio somebody to face. And Rio's been off of TV for quite a while, it seems like. When we get backstage at segment where Spears and Blanchard talk about finding him a suitable tag team partner. Thought it was alright. Maybe Spears is better suited for the tag team division. Then we get SCU versus the Young Bucks for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. We get a pre-match video with the Bucks talking about their struggles and their road to resumption. And they're going to take the titles tonight. SCU, they retain after a SCU later. I I think the fans were kind of shocked. This finish came as early as it did. Actually, during this I think the fans were caught off guard that the finish came as quick as it did because it had, came with about five minutes left in the show. And it was like a 12-minute tag match. And Dar- I thought it was a good tag match. Fun, high-paced tag team match between the two teams. I don't think they're capable of having a bad match. And uh, Dark Order comes out. Dark Order also left a hint that it was. On- they also did something along with that uh, sh- uh, screen where... Evil Uno appeared on screen for a second. They also had a Join Dark Order thing during uh, one of the matches where uh, kind of the logo, the Join Dark Order, and then DarkOrder.com showed up or whatever. Join DarkOrder.com showed up during that. But I thought this, and then Dark Order comes out. Uh, Evil Uno says tonight, and in, in initiation, the Creepers are all out there, and then a couple of their guys, one of them Alex Reynolds, they beat the living crap out of Omega. The numbers game just too much with the Creepers. Daniels, like if Daniels showed up, Omega showed up, Cody and Dustin showed up. They all just get beat up by the creepers and evil Uno and Stu Grayson. The numbers game is too much. Uno and Grayson then. We thought for a second they were going to put the mask on the Young Bucks, but no, they give them to Reynolds and the other guy that that's out there I can't think of his name right now and then they take the blood from Matt's mouth and Dark Order stands tall to end the show and this was better this was a better re, that was a really good reintroduction of the Dark Order and this is going to give Dark Order an opportunity to really cement themselves in AEW as they're going to be feuding probably with the Young Bucks here soon but this show it had pretty good wrestling throughout. Maya a star in Jungle Boy. Cody and Darby Allen versus the Butcher and the Blade. Continues the issues with uh, Statlander and the Nightmare Collective. We've got a new number one contender for the AEW Women's World Championship. And it furthers the storylines with like Penta and Daniels. But yes, the the Jericho versus Jungle Boy match that was a very fun match. The Awesome Kong match was effective as what it sh- as what it should have been. Like I said, the Butcher and the Blade versus Cody and Darby Allen that was also a fun match. And Dar- the Butcher and the Blade are looking a lot better here after their uh, kind of weak debut recent weak debut a couple weeks ago. But then SCU and Young Bucks it delivered like it should. But Good show nonetheless from AEW to end the year. Their next show will be on January 1st in Jacksonville, Florida. And attend the show, I'd like to give you my top three of the week. The top three number one, it's going to be AEW Dynamite, number two, NWA Power, and then number three, Monday Night Raw. I just thought AEW Dynamite had the better wrestling on the show, had more wrestling on the show. I like more wrestling on the show. But NWA Power, it just continues to be a solid show throughout. And Monday Night Raw was hit pretty much, it was it was pretty much a miss for the most part. Couple of matches were alright, but other, the gauntlet match was a complete waste of time. To me, And then we continue this Lana and Rusev storyline, which just get, makes it give me a thumbs down for it, unfortunately. But yes, number one, AEW Dynamite. Number two, NWA Power. And number three, Monday Night Raw. Next week, make sure to tune in. I'll have the week in review. Won't be covering AEW Dynamite next week. I will be covering NXT. I'll be covering, yeah, it'll be NXT, Monday Night Raw, And NWA Power should be a fun week of wrestling coming up next week. Make sure to tune in to that when I have it up on Thursday of next week. AEW Dynamite will not be on the television, so I'll go with NXT next week. So NXT, Monday Night Raw, and NWA Power will be my next week in review. Next Thursday on Podbean, Apple Podcast, and on Spotify. And then make sure on December 29th, actually December 30th, to, to uh, listen in for my year-end review. Like I said, the good, the bad, the ugly, and some of my favorite moments from the year 2019. Before I go, make sure to follow me on the socials, Facebook and Twitter at sigdaddy Wrestle, and then if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, tell your friends to subscribe to my podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcast, and on Spotify. Until next time, though, this is Sig Daddy signing off, thanking you all for listening, and so long, everybody.